Welcome to season one of the Resilient Dad Show. I'm your host, Pat Domenico. When I became a single dad and was faced with navigating social parenting issues and the complexity of the family legal system, I felt confused and I had felt like I had nowhere to turn. That's why I created the Resilient Dad Show, a place that I so badly needed and wish had been available for me during the grueling and challenging times of working through my own experience. This show will feature industry experts in mental health, social services, and personal development, along with Resine Dad role models, whose stories of overcoming the challenges of, of co-parenting will create a new vision for the life you and your kids deserve. If you have any questions or want to suggest a future guest on the show, please visit resinedad.fm for more information. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Resine Dad Show. I'm your host, Pat Domenico. And on today's episode, we have a special guest, Chris Decker. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Pat? I'm really honored that you would, you know, are having me on today for an interview to talk, talk about this topic of fatherhood. Well, I, uh, it's a privilege of mine and, um, you know, and an honor and I appreciate you know, your time and your uh, openness to talk about in terms of your own experience and becoming a dad yourself. So um, let's just start by in terms of, you know, with some of your own experiences as, as a child and um, in terms of how your perception or, or in terms of what you know, a dad, you know, sh- should be um, and your role models as, as, you know, as a child. Well, I'll talk a little bit about today and what, what that looks like today. I just read um, a book called Intuitive Parenting, How to Be an Intuitive Parent. And this was really interesting, is that it painted this example of if my kid is fighting me, my son is fighting me in the morning about not wanting to get out of his pajamas. You know, he has these, yeah. uh, he has these, he has these really cool pajamas with uh, different monster characters on him. And he doesn't like taking them off sometimes and and changing into his real clothes. And he has a pair of shoes that look like sharks. So he's got his shark shoes and he's just got this eclectic personality. Sometimes he wants to wear rain boots and I could spend, I could spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes fighting with him about wearing his rain boots. Or I can say, wait a second, why am I not okay with letting him wear his rain boots to go to childcare today? Because that's my own crap that I'm bringing to it. I'm afraid of how the childcare people are going to perceive me as a father for letting my kid wear the rain boots. Like, but but why? What what exactly kind of great judgment are these childcare professionals going to bring upon me as a father if my son wants to wear colorful clothing and rain boots? Like, you know, intuitive parenting says, don't fight it let him be self-expressive, you know, like yeah. why am I trying to fight all these things? If he wants to eat Mac and cheese, why am I trying to force him to eat Brussels sprouts right now? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. That, um, it reminds me of that movie with Adam Sandler. Um, and he becomes a dad accidentally. Uh, yeah. Do you remember what the, I can't remember the, was it big daddy? Yeah, it was big daddy. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of like literal examples um, in that movie, I think, of intuitive 
parenting, uh, but maybe like taken to a far extreme with like candy and stuff. Uh, but yeah, the perception on we, what we think in terms of is acceptable is can be very um, influenced by the external world and and what if if he wants to wear his monster pajamas and his uh, shark shoes, why not? Let him stand here's out. Another, here's another example, right? And this isn't another example from the book is, all right, so um, maybe we've had a long day and I've got to get some grocery <laughs> shopping done. So, or may, this happens at Target all the time and I, I've got to go get some stuff. Um, I'm not sure. Do they have Target in Australia? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Uh, so over here in the States, we have a place called Target, right? Yeah. <laughs> and. So I'll put him, I'll put, I'll put him in this, in, in the cart and we'll start pushing and, uh, he'll, he'll like grasp for different toys. Um, um, and then I'll be in like in the middle of the aisle, like getting some groceries or whatever. And he'll just start screaming. He's just, he'll just start screaming. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you screaming? This makes no <laughs> sense. You're in danger. But it's because I had forced him into too many situations that I had wanted him to do. He'd been going around town with me on errands for several hours. He was tired. He didn't want to be in a shopping cart strapped with no toys, um, having to go through and buy all these boring groceries. No, he wants to run around. He wants to be at the park. He wants to ride a scooter. And here I am. I forced him into this situation. Instead of saying, Oh, my kid is misbehaving. Maybe I missed the clues as a father that he's too tired to go shopping with me right now. And yeah. like, maybe I should go home and go shopping tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? That's, um, yeah, that's a great, great awareness piece. And, you know, do you really need to go shopping right at that second? Uh, is it really that important or? Would it, you know, in terms of having that opportunity to do some things that your kids, you know, your son wants to do. Um, and, and then so, is it his yeah. fault for behaving that way? No, it's my fault. No. <laughs> I put yeah. him in this situation. Uh, absolutely. And then we get frustrated for, you know, why is he screaming? Why is he playing up? You know, he's being ungrateful, um, you know. In terms of we just went to McDonald's or you know, he's already had he already has a billion toys at home. Um, but yeah, that that's a great piece. And I'll definitely uh re- remind myself when uh my son uh decides to uh to play up again. <laughs> um and and I guess he's just expressing himself, you know, he just needs to let things out just like we we do. Um bottling things up doesn't really help anyone, so it's just that's his outlet. I'm going to, you've made me uh, two errands for a couple of hours. So I'm just going to scream. <laughs> but, but this is like, okay, now I'm the kind of father that, you know, I'm, I'm watching documentaries with my wife about like, what is, what is good parenting or I'm going to a marriage seminar or I'm even listening to this kind of book in the first place. Um, I definitely was not exposed to anything like that. So uh, right now I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm basically learning how to be a father from scratch. I didn't yeah. actually have any positive role models in terms of fatherhood. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm kind of like scrambling to put the pieces together um, while I'm working on myself while trying to learn how to be a good dad, because sometimes 
things will come up and then I'm triggered back to childhood and uh, I didn't have some of the best experiences. And so with not necessarily having, you know, the, the role models that, that in terms of were positive and um, the experiences, which, you know, um, I, I, you know, myself and I'm sure many other fathers uh, could say that, you know, they've had the same experience. What are the things that you've, were able to overcome and, you know, I take my hat off for you to, for, you know, investing in your family, you know, your marriage and in terms of educating yourself with reading books about parenting. And, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, probably the most worthy investment any, uh, any man can make. Um, so what are the things that you've been able to, you know, overcome as a child and then how did you overcome them to be able to be in the place that you are now? Well, I'll talk about what I've had to overcome as an adult, which were the habits that stemmed from these hurts and these traumas. So first there are the hurts and the traumas, and then there are hangups. There are these stories that have cycled around in my brain. And because I was living by those stories, those resulted in destructive habits like alcoholism, addiction to pornography, um, addiction to lust and, and money and, um, just all these things in the, in the most negative sense. And as an adult, all these uh, addictions and habits, uh, almost ended my life. When I hit my rock bottom, I had a wow. six figure lawsuit. Um, I came clean to my wife about going to strip clubs and engaging in all kinds of infidelity things. Um, I was drinking myself just in a dumb stupor every single day. And um, I had racked up a ton of consumer debt. And um, all these all these problems culminated into this moment of surrender. Like, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I, and and I, I just fell to my face. Um, and I described that as a rock bottom where I fell flat on my back and I looked up toward God. What were some of the hurts in the beginning? Um, what got me to that place, Pat? Um, I'll just describe a little bit about who the, my circumstances coming into the world. Before I was born, everyone in my family had unanimously agreed that I should be aborted. Uh, no one thought my parents were suitable and ready for a child. But they actually, my dad and my mom decided that they wanted me and decided to give it a shot. Um, so that was really interesting. Now, before I was born, my great grandmother, um, she's a Holocaust survivor from Italy. She brought wow. my mom, who's a Catholic to agree to convert me to Judaism at birth. She offered her $10,000, a free apartment indefinitely in, in a building that she owned and, um, ongoing, uh, she'd pay for the wedding and then ongoing child support. So actually my religion once i was born was 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 a bribe it was it was paid for yeah and so my dad in an act of rebellion named me christopher which means bearer of christ because he wanted to get back at his grandma for bribing my mom to make me jewish so my circumstances entering the world is everybody wanted me dead and then they were paying to manipulate me from the very beginning before i was even born yeah. Um, 
So fast forward three years old, this is actually my first memory as a kid is my dad was shooting um, a, a BB gun that looked like an assault rifle out of the window of our apartment. And the neighbors and he was shooting people, cans, cars, wow. whatever. And just and, and I remember him just laughing and just thinking it was the funniest thing ever. And then the police banged on our door and dragged him out in handcuffs to the front of the building and dragged him into the police cruiser. And I was there three years old saying, don't take my daddy. Don't take my daddy. Shit. And, um, you know, wow. Uh, and then like, you know, one night, uh, he was uh, high on meth and working on his car. It was like this old beat up Camaro that he spray painted black and he, uh, he needed more money for drugs. So he got a chainsaw. It was like three in the morning and he started chainsawing parts off the car oh. because he was going to go sell them. Um, and then once again, neighbors called the cops and, you know, crazy messed out white guy fucking chainsawing parts off of his car. <laughs> wow. They're going to arrest you. Right. Cause that's yeah. not normal behavior. <laughs> uh, and, and so this was just kind of, um, some of the, those, those early experiences that, um, and then, oh, when, uh, when I was seven, my mom tried to commit suicide. She drove her car off a cliff and, um, at nine, Shit. my dad went to, to prison for a long time this time for violent crimes. Um, and then once, uh, once my dad was out of the picture, they had gotten divorced, um, uh, we lived kind of mostly in and out of, it was my dad's former meth dealer. Now my mom's boyfriend's house, his name was Dave. And that's where I got exposed to a lot of like a lot of crazy stuff in yeah. the house. And so I, I didn't really have any early models of safety or fatherhood. You know, I'm just describing this totally chaotic environment to you where, um, fights in prison and jail time and uh escorts and strippers and guns and drugs were just a normal part of life as a very young child wow yeah i'd say um that would have created a lot of uncertainty in you know um in 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 your life and in terms of like i couldn't imagine seeing your dad at the age of three getting taken away um you know uh that that would have been horrible for a young so child. I recently, talked, I recently talked to my mom about this and I had had this memory and I called her. I'm like, did this actually happen? I'm like, was this a movie that I acted? This Was this an actual memory? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it was an actual memory. And afterward, you were really sweet about it. You you kept going up to people and giving them hugs and, yeah. and trying to comfort them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, you were, you were just a really sweet kid, even in the, those kinds of circumstances. Wow. And, um, so, you know, after being in, you know, by the age of nine, 10, you've already experienced so much, um, you know, in terms of, as you were saying, you, you, you've played out some of those, some of those, you know, stories and in terms of those, um, the things that the acts and so forth to be able to, you know, as a coping mechanism and, what were you know you mentioned you you you, know, you were you're already married did you already have your child by that stage or did 
did your son come after all these realizations and, and the work that you did? Right before right before rock bottom, we were actually, we were pregnant with who I thought was going to be my first son. Right. Um, and I just, I had this moment where I came home one day and, um, my hand was, 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 was shaking going into the door of, of our apartment. And I told her everything over the course of the next few days and weeks. And the truth just flowed out of me in waves. I had just hit this point where I just, I, I, I just surrendered. Right. And she says, all right, we're going to get on our face and we're going to pray and uh, we're going to pray to God. And I was like, what do you mean we're going to pray to God? Like, I didn't totally understand what she was talking about. And then I found myself at uh, an all weekend workshop called every man's battle. And I was familiar with the all weekend workshops. I had done unleash the power within I had, you know, I, I felt like I could just, um, just like forcibly get myself out of this situation. But it was in that workshop that I actually started to admit some of my shame and like some of my guilt, uh, over time with other guys around me that were also working on themselves. And once I kind of started to step out of that isolation, I realized I wasn't alone. Um, and that, that really started to light things up for me is to realize that I was not alone in these things that had happened to me is that, you know, these are all very human problems. I'm not the first man on the planet that had, that has daddy issues, you know, yeah. there are, there are many men, resilient dads out there that have had some fucked up situations Absolutely. and have overcome them and are great dads today. I can choose, I can choose right now to go be a horrible father and repeat all of these patterns from my past, or I can choose the harder road, which is to work on them and go through the pain but be who I never got to. And so I actually have a tremendous amount of gratitude for my parents because they were so extreme in everything they did that it's forcing me to be incredibly extreme in my recovery and my personal development. And as a result, um, it's helping me serve a lot of people right now in my work. And so I just, I have a lot of gratitude, but you know, for the longest time I was just so angry at both of them, but I've, I've forgiven them fully. Like I don't have good relationships with them, but I've forgiven them in the sense that like that stuff doesn't hold me back anymore. That's, um, you know, in terms of your wife sounds like an amazing woman to, to have to, you know, it's it's pretty much you know a, a sign of unconditional love. Like no person would would want to you know feel those you know or, or or know that in terms of their partners done some things that in terms of aren't integrous with you know their marriage or their relationship. And um, you know she's been able to see that you're you're a human being and she loves you for who you are. And that's that, that's beautiful. And that's and that's something that I'm even trying to work on myself because similar to, to yourself, like I had a lot of resentment and anger as, as a child. I, you know, my parents separated by the time I was five or six, um, went overseas with, with my mom and my younger brother who just had an accident. 
and became, you know, a cere- he was had cerebral palsy through an accident at the hospital where he was left without mm-hmm. any oxygen for 20 minutes. Um, my dad, I only found out literally two weeks ago after speaking with my mum. So he spent, so after escaping from Vietnam at the age of 16, him and his brother on a boat, he spent 18 months in a refugee camp um, in Indonesia. Um, and, you know, he, some of the, uh, you know, mum didn't tell me all the experiences, but, you know, some of the experiences that I've heard from other people being in refugee camps and po- possibly, you know, the early 80s, uh, you know, the conditions weren't as um, as good as possibly they are today because um, there's a lot more awareness, but he struggled with with alcohol. That's, that's how he actually, you know, passed away due to his liver giving up. Um, and so the combination of his own childhood, some trauma through his own experiences for freedom and escaping to having a son, um, you know, added. So my brother was only two and his name was Christopher. Um, so yeah, um, it's, uh, that name always has a, has a deep, uh, meaning towards me and my first num- first son's name is Christopher as well. Um, so I named him after my brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, so his way of dealing it was with alcohol. Um, and mm. he wasn't able to, to see past that. And, you know, um, you know, maybe cause the internet wasn't around back then and we, we, we have the ability to so much information and like even podcasting that wasn't, Probably, but yeah, that definitely wasn't around. Um, so, being vulnerable and, and, and as open as you um, as you have been, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, many it, it gives Can me. Can I show you what yeah. it's taken, like physically, like show you? Let's yeah, please please do share. This is what it looked like. Um, this first blue chip in my recovery groups represents like surrender the journey begins and it took me a couple times to have to start over then each one of these red ones is for 30 days and then the green one is for 60 days and then the white one is for 90 days and then all the way to what i proudly have right now which is you know three years of of sobriety wow and congratulations it, it hasn't been like boom three years it's been every single day, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year times three. And I wake up tomorrow and I, I, I still have to choose this life. So it's not something. I could go, yeah. I could go back to my old ways. Yeah. Probably in 24 hours, I could ruin my whole life. I yeah. could be done. I could ruin my whole fucking life and it could be over, but I have to choose every day that I wake up that to today is, is, uh, um, is a new life, a new mercy, a new, uh, uh, a new opportunity. That, you know, yeah. Having that conscious awareness that it's, you know, it doesn't mean that you, that the work stops. Um, that, that's a great, you know, great piece and, and awareness that you know that in terms of it's every day you wake up, you put your two feet on the ground and that's, that's your choice. 
to continue. You know what happens if I stop the work? You know what happens if you stop the work, Pat? Is that triad comes into place. If we stop working our bodies, we're going to start to, we're going to start to suffocate. We're going to start to uh, put our bodies back into horrible physical health. And that's going to impact our thoughts, our, our thoughts left to their own devices, our mind left to its own devices starts to go negative. We're going to tell ourselves that we're a uh, 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 non-resilient piece of shit and all these lies that we tell ourselves. And then we're going to start using negative language. And then all of a sudden we get right back where we started and we find ourselves in that depressed state and we've got to take that medication. We go back on this hamster wheel or we can choose every single day to start the work over again. So we never have to go back to where we were. That's uh, that's beautifully said, Chris. Um you know, have, knowing that every day in terms of it's a choice. And, and one of, I, I asked someone that it's been in, in the Tony world for, for over 20 years. And I said, yeah, if you could sum up the whole 20 years, what, what would you say that you've got out of? And he said, your, your emotions become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words and your words become your action. So it all starts with with our mind and having making that that conscious awareness and that decision that in mm. terms of today is gonna yeah I'm I'm grateful for another day given to me and I'm gonna make the most of it and be grateful for the opportunity to to be on this world again today. Um, yeah, really really appreciate your vulnerability and, and opening up and sharing your your story and. And the journey that you you've already started, and and um, you know, I congratulate you and um, send my love and um, encouragement to uh, you know many more years of success on your uh, journey to uh, to your peaceful uh, and beautiful beautiful state. Thanks very much, Chris. I hope everyone got uh, as much out of this episode as I did. And um, again. Um, I'm Pat, the Resilient Dad, um, and uh, hope you guys have an amazing day. Hey guys, I really appreciate you listening to today's show. It means a lot to me that you're part of the journey and mission to help single fathers be the best dads possible. I'd really appreciate it if you review the show and share it with someone you generally believe could benefit from the content. Please visit resilientdad.com for more content and resources as we build this community for dads everywhere.